but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and believe not. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study continues in the Gospel of John, Chapter 6. We will be looking at verses 35 through 38 in this lesson. Jesus, in speaking to the Jews who wanted bread, points them to himself, saying, I am the bread of life. He wants them to have a vital, personal relationship with him. And Jesus wants that with you and me as well, both for salvation and for fellowship. And this is possible through your personal faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Dr. Mitchell points out that Jesus is the fountain of all human satisfaction. The one who comes to Jesus, he will never be cast out. And not only will he never be cast out, but the Lord Jesus himself will preserve this one who trusts in him. So take him at his word. I'll open your Bible to John chapter 6, verse 35 with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. We come to you today again. And for those of you who have not been listening to the program, we welcome you and trust you can listen in again and hear the precious word of God. As we seek to expand it, I trust under the power of the Spirit of God. We are very, very sure that truth is imparted and only imparted by the Spirit of God. And as we come to the Gospel through John, which we are studying these days, I just pray that the Lord Jesus shall become more and more precious to your own heart and mind. We are in the sixth chapter of the Gospel through John. But I would like again this morning to give to you this fact that 
chapters 5 through 8 is the very heart of the gospel through John. And here you have the great claims of our Savior. He claimed to be Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He claimed to be equal with God in nature, in power, in authority. In fact, he said, all life is in his hands. All judgment is in his hands. All resurrection is in his hands. And then we came to chapter 6, and here we have the revelation of our Lord as Jehovah Ra. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the great shepherd of his people. And in chapter 6, you remember, he fed 5,000 on five loaves and two fishes. The revelation of him as the one who has all authority, even over creation. And that was followed by the Lord's revelation of himself as, as El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth, the one who has authority over the very elements when he stilled the storm, when he walked the water. And then may I add, then he calmed the fear out of the hearts of his disciples. Then the, out of this came the great discourse, I am the bread of life. In chapter chapter 6, we have our Lord revealed as the bread of life. Now, the, the, the setting of it is in verses 22 to 25, where the people were seeking the physical and the spectacular. They wanted the Lord to serve them. They were not attracted to him, uh, but he wouldn't give himself. He wouldn't reveal himself to them. He knew them. He was not deceived. The Lord knew what was in man. As I said a moment ago, they did not seek Jesus for himself. I sometimes wonder about us. They wanted him to, if I can use the term, they wanted him to run a restaurant and feed them. In fact, I would say even today, great many people in their prayers are always asking for something. They want the Lord to wait on them. Instead of coming before the Lord in worship, in praise, in adoration to the one who is not only the creator, but also our Savior. And then following this in his great discourse, he gives us himself as the bread of life. And we find there are four aspects to this kind of life. Wonderful thing when we realize that the moment a person accepts the Savior, they receive life from him. In this chapter 5, you remember, we read that, as the Father had life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And in this passage, we have four aspects of that life. It's eternal life. It is satisfying life. It is resurrection life. It is indwelling life brought through union with him. Now, in our last lesson, we were dealing with the first one between 26 to 34, the life he gives is eternal life. And then he mentions it, of course, in verse 47. Now, it's true they wanted life, but they were not occupied with spiritual life. They wanted physical life. They were, there. they were controlled by a materialistic philosophy of life. And the kingdom of God to them was a physical one, a materialistic one. And even in this, pas in this passage, it was Passover time, remember? And their minds were filled with Moses and what had taken place in the desert. And they asked the question, are you greater than Moses? And he, he pointed out not to labor for the things that perished. They had neglected their spiritual welfare. They were living for time instead of eternity. And, I, and he wanted to turn them from the physical to the spiritual. So they asked the question, well, what shall we do to do the works of God? 
And how shall we do it? And he said, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. May I just again emphasize the fact that it is faith that pleases God. You remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, friend, the moral comes out of the spiritual. The spiritual is far more important than even the moral, which, by the way, is more important than the physical. And it's not doing things, not rituals that pleases God, but simply trusting him. You remember in Romans 4, 5, we read, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Or in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, or even through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then they wanted a sign. What sign showest thou? You know, sometimes you feel like taking a, a, a club and beating them up a little bit. He just, he's just fed 5,000. In the preceding chapter, in chapter 5, he healed a man 38 years infirmed. He, he healed all who had need of healing. He fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, and they still say, what sign shows thou that we might believe? Listen, friend, this is a wrong philosophy. What they, their philosophy was, seeing is believing. That's not true. They had seen, but they didn't believe. They had the evidence. It was not, it was not for the lack of evidence that they didn't believe on him, but it was an evil heart of unbelief. As Hebrews 3.12 declares, you remember, let there not be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief, of not trusting the living God. And then you remember he says, Moses did not give you that bread, but my father gave it. Which leads me to the second thing in verses 35 to 36. And here we have the life he gives is not only eternal life, but it is satisfying life. In verse 34, they said to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. <laughs> they, they will not see the truth. They still have their minds on the physical. Just like the woman in chapter 4. Uh, Sir, give me this water that I might not come and here and draw water anymore. I want that kind of water. Where do you have it? And you remember what Jesus said to her. Uh, there shall be in them uh, in her a well of water springing up into everlasting life. If you only knew who was talking to you, you'd ask of him for living water. Well, where in the world have you got it? Where have you got it? See. So you have it here. We come out a satisfying life. The Lord's answer was, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and believe not. Now remember they said, what sign showest thou that we might believe on you? He said, I am the bread of life. Moses gave you bread for the physical. It just lasted for a day. 
You had to go out and gather it every day. All it satisfied was the physical. But what I've got to give you is something that's eternal, that's satisfying. You don't have it every day. It comes to abide. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am reminded of John chapter 10, the 10th verse. I am come, said Jesus, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the bread of life is centered in a person. Our Lord is the fountain, shall I put it this way, is the fountain of all human satisfaction. Things don't satisfy. As our Lord said to the woman of Samaria, he that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Things don't satisfy. Experiences don't satisfy. The spectacular doesn't satisfy. These things are passing things. I want something that will stand me in good stead when I'm in trouble, when I'm suffering, when I'm, in, when I'm right down, you know, need something, when I'm in sorrow and affliction of one sort or another. When I'm misunderstood, I want something that gives me a peace, that gives me a rest, something that satisfies me, something that is not affected by, by circumstances. Uh, you can have hundreds of millions of dollars and still not satisfied. Material things don't satisfy. You know that. What, what is the world doing today? One half of the world is trying to make the other half, half happy. Nobody's really genuinely, continually happy or blessed or filled with joy for the simple reason that they've turned their back on the one who was the source of joy. In, in John chapter 15, our Lord said, My joy I give unto you, that your joy might be full. I repeat it. Our Lord's answer was, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. He's satisfying. What keeps us from having that? Very next verse, Jesus said to them, You also have seen me, but you don't believe. Unbelief robs people of that wonderful peace that passeth understanding. Unbelief robs people of a contentment, of a joy, of a peace that's beyond the understanding of men. My friend, listen, the life that Jesus gives is a satisfying life. You can't get away from it. It's a satisfying life. I, I'm very much tempted to spend the rest of the time just on this one thing. Jesus can really satisfy your heart. See, all I need for my personal joy and peace of heart and mind is in Christ Jesus. You know, the 34th Psalm says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Even, even we Christians, even though doctrinally, theologically, we can talk about the fact that the Lord Jesus is all-sufficient and he can perfectly satisfy every desire of my heart that I might have joy and peace and satisfaction. And yet, and yet we turn to things or we turn to people or we turn to organizations or we trust something else 
instead of Christ. You see, the heart of man is, is naturally legalistic. We want to get some credit for something. We haven't come to that place where we'll simply trust in him. I am the bread of life, he said. He that believeth on me, he that cometh to me, shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And as I look on my generation, they're running hither and yon, trying to have their thirst quenched. And they try one thing after the other. I know, before I became a Christian, before the Lord in wonderful grace saved me, one night it's one thing, the next night it's something else, and the following night it's something else, you're never, never, never satisfied. But when you come to the Savior, he can satisfy you. You don't need things to have peace and joy and blessing. It's found in Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm talking to someone today and you have, uh, you've tried everything. You've just tried everything. You're still unsatisfied, still miserable. You wonder what, what life's all about. My friend, I can tell you one thing. If you really mean business and put your trust in the Savior, you'll find a joy and a peace you never knew existed. It can be yours by simply putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. He, the life he gives, is a satisfying life because he is the bread of life, eternal, perfect, absolutely satisfying. Now we come to the third aspect of life in the passage, and that is resurrection life. And we're reading from verse 37 right on down through verse 44. And in fact, we go, we'll go. we use a verse from uh, 54. Verse 37, which has to do really with this person. Now, as the Christ is the bread of life, he can satisfy us. And that Christ receives all who will come unto him, and he guarantees now resurrection life. That means a life over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. Listen to it. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This is the will of him that sent me, that every one which saith the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And in verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, you notice he's dealing here with resurrection life. Let's go down to verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, remember, he is talking to a people who will not believe. I want you to get the background. Don't take a verse out of its context. And some people have taken this verse and they have pushed it beyond, which was, I believe, the intent of the Spirit of God, who's the author of Scripture. Here's the people who they said, give us a sign, give us a sign. He has fed them, he's healed their sick, he has raised their dead, 
He's opened the eyes of their blind. He's cleansed their lepers. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But he said, I am the bread of life, but you won't believe it. You won't believe it. You've seen me. You have the evidence of who I am and what I am, but you won't believe me. Then he said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise, under any consideration, turn him away, cast him out. Will you please notice verse 37? He receives all who come. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Oh, but you say, supposing the Father hasn't given me to the Savior. Now, don't let's get extreme on this. I, I like what Mr. Moody one time said. He said, well, if the Lord, if the Lord didn't uh, draw you to him and you came anyhow, I'm sure he wouldn't cast you out. May I remind you that he said in 1 Timothy 2, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9 said, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish. We had it in chapter 5. You do search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And whom does the Father give to him? Well, you get down to verse 40, it's the same group. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. I will raise him up at the last day. See, all believe anyone who will put their trust in the Savior. He's talking about that. And all that the Father giveth me, he's going to give to the Son, everyone who will put their trust in him. And I will in no wise cast out. You see, the certainty of coming to him guarantees that you'll never be cast out and he receives all who will come unto him. And then in verse 39, he preserves all who come unto him. Now look at verse 38. I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now I've spoken to this point before in chapter 4, in chapter 5, when he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Same in chapter 5. I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Same thing here in verse 38. The driving force in our Savior's life was the will of his Father. Oh, I, I, I wish in some way I could get this to your heart. What does God want of you and me? And I speak to those of you who accept the Savior. You've come to the Savior. He never cast, he's never yet cast anybody out. Anybody who ever came to him, he never turned him away. I want to encourage you, my friend, if you've never accepted the Savior, I want to say to you, he's never yet, in 1900 years of gospel preaching, he's never yet turned any sinner away who came to him. I want to encourage your heart. I don't care who you are or what you are. I know one thing. When you come and accept him as your own personal savior, you pass from death to life. And he takes you in. He'll never, never, never turn you away.
That's what he means in Matthew 11, 27. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Verse 28, and I will give you rest. He's never yet turned anybody away. He that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Why? Because I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, the will of him that sent me. And because of my perfect, complete subservience to my Father's will, my Father's going to give me everyone who puts their trust in me. And then he goes on to say in verse 39, he's going to preserve them, all, that is, all who come unto him. May God grant that if you've never accepted the Savior, you'll do so today. Put your trust in him as your Savior now. Don't be almost, put him foremost, for he loves you, my friend. He died and rose at for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.